And now for something different. That's right. Vegan Radio. Hello, listeners. We're back. We're back. I've got four shows in the queue. i got to upload and all that. But for now, I'm giving you this little special podcast that is uh, recordings from the 2009 Boston Vegetarian Society Food Fest, which we have covered for the last couple of years, as you might know. And we have some great speakers that I would like to share the interviews with you. We have uh, Dr. Gregor. Who has been at every vegetarian food fest in Boston since the inception, 14 years. And we have a couple of farm animal sanctuaries. We have Cloa's Ark, which just opened this year near Boston. And we also have Maple Farm Animal Sanctuary, which will be in the upcoming Peaceable Kingdom number three or four or something. You know, I've been trying to get Peaceable Kingdom uh, James and Jenny Levesque. I've been emailing them. For years now trying to get them on the show, I think they don't really take me seriously or because I'm associated with Farm Sanctuary as a photographer, they don't like me or something. If anyone knows them, tell them to cut the shit and give me a call. In other news, we have vegan bodybuilder Robert Cheek, the one and only who gives probably the most uh, upbeat and interesting interview of the series. We also have some... Uh, vegan food, Chicago Soy Dairy, which has some amazing vegan treats, and a new vegan marshmallow line, oh my god, oh my god, I had some, they were marshmallows, they were good, and they had no hooves, brains, necks, or whatever the hell they put in that freaking shit, and then we have Massachusetts Animal Rights Coalition, Mark, and we have, what else, what else, oh yes, the Autonomy Project, which is a uh, Boston-based company that sells vegan shoes and shirts. I got a shirt from them of a bunch of bicycles eating a Humvee. It's pretty freaking cool. Okay, without further ado, where should we start? I guess we'll start with uh, Dr. Gregor since he's the most long-time whatever, and uh, we'll go from there. Thanks for keeping subscribed. I love you, listeners. We got some great stuff coming up. We have a new website about to be revealed, and uh, oh yeah, this this podcast actually is available as a uh, as a uh, with with the artwork and stuff. What is it called? I can't remember what it's called. Whatever, whatever. If you if you're into like the advanced podcasting where you can like watch little pictures come up on your podcast, uh, they are embedded in this one. So dig it, love it, love us. We love you. And we'll be soon uploading a shit ton of more uh, podcasts that we've been recording over the summer, but I've been too busy to edit. And without further ado, Michael Greger. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. We're here with uh, Dr. Michael Greger once again. What, what year at the festival is this for you? Um, what's the, the 14th year? What is it? Is this the 14th? I've been here all 14 years, ever since we started back at MIT. So I take it you haven't, you didn't get the swine flu yet. I didn't, although I know a lot of people who did. And uh, the World Health Organization estimates maybe uh, a few billion people will come down with it before it's all over. A lot of talk on the, out there now about um, whether people should get the uh, vaccination or not. What's your thoughts on that? 
I encourage all children between ages 6 months and 24 years of age, as well as anyone between 25 and 64 with a pre-existing medical condition, or all child care workers and all health care workers, they should all get the H1N1 swine flu vaccine. So as far as me, a healthy 42-year-old, I'm, I'm all right, or you would still recommend it? I would not recommend it. In fact, you couldn't get it even if you wanted it. There just isn't enough to go around. I wanted to ask you, uh, you have your nutrition DVDs. Are you? Do you have the third one here today? Unfortunately, it's sold out already within a few hours. I didn't bring enough. Wow. What's, uh, what's some of the uh, most important studies that came out in the last year? Hard to choose. There's just so much amazing things happening in the field. I encourage people to check out my latest DVD, which has three hours of material. I hit all the most groundbreaking, most practical, most interesting work um, available on my website, drgreger.org, D-R-G-R-E-G-E-R.org, and all the proceeds I receive all go to charity. Do you think the swine flu has the possibility of mutating and becoming more virulent, or is, is it what's, what's the latest with that? Well, the worst-case scenario is if the swine flu, the H1N1, were to combine with the highly pathogenic bird flu, H5N1, in a pig, for example, there are places in the world where there's endemic poultry population infection. If Should a pig get co-infected with both, there's a theoretical possibility we could come out with a virus with the transmissibility of H1N1 and the human lethality of H5N1. That would be truly a nightmare scenario. Nightmare scenario. Are there any other... Uh pandemics in the works right now that you know of anything that we should be watching out for other than the swine flu which is taking all the spotlight right now as long as we continue to confine billions of animals under these filthy unhygienic crowded stressful conditions we will continue um, uh, to create a breeding ground for these new so-called superbugs um, and so we really you know have to change the way in which we um, raise animals, which we interact with animals. Um, and so, and the first step is really to ban these intensive confinement practices like the battery cages for egg-laying hens, these veal crates for um, baby calves, and these uh, gestation crates for pregnant pigs. Seven states so far have already um, agreed to phase these, uh, these cruel practices out. And it's really just a matter of getting a tipping point um, to introduce some federal legislation and ban these cruel practices once and for all. So it seems like what's best for the animals is best for humans. How we treat animals can have global public health implications, and the emergence of this H1N1 swine flu is a perfect example of what can happen when uh, we combine when we confine millions of animals under these kind of breeding ground conditions. And that was Dr. Michael Greger, uh, anarchist MD working for the Humane Society, which. Uh, some of you abolitionists might not approve, but this guy has done a lot of stuff for animals and for the vegan movement, and uh, <clears throat> he's still out there doing good and educating the uh, the DVD we were talking about, um, nutritional, clinical nutritional, yada, yada, yada. Look it up on drgregor.org. It's uh, pretty amazing. It's all set up like this uh, game show format. So it's three hours long, but you learn a lot, and it keeps your interest. And, uh, you know, we don't usually plug products on the show. I don't know if it's a product. It's more of a informational tool for vegans and people who just want to know more about what's going on in the nutrition research. Dr. Greger uh, 
kind of compiles thousands of studies. That's his specialty, just like browsing through data and making it make sense for the people like us who are not doctors or scientists. And if you are, well, good for you. So up next, I'm going to play a interview I did with uh, <clears throat> Massachusetts Animal Rights Coalition, Stephen Helen Rasik. Uh, well, actually, just talking to Helen, though Steve was there in the background. And <clears throat> anyone living in Massachusetts know that these are two of the busiest activists we have in the state and always doing all the hardcore activism, the protesting and organizing and letter writing and all that kind of stuff that I personally don't enjoy doing, but uh, I am so glad they're out there doing it. And, uh, yeah, if you are inclined towards that kind of activism and living in the area, you should definitely hook up with them because they are amazing people and it's an amazing organization. Amazing, 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 amazing. I know I'm redundant with that word. I'm sorry. But here we go. Massachusetts Animal Rights Coalition. Helen Rasik. We're here with Helen Rasik from the Massachusetts Animal Rights Coalition, known as Mark, to our local residents. How are you doing? Fine. How are you today? I'm great. This is this is good. They uh, reduced the uh, they, they extended the event two days, and there's a little more room to breathe in here. It seems we even have a little air blowing through the place, which is very very nice. And it's a wonderful day, though. We're getting a great crowd, and everybody is so into animal rights. It's wonderful. Yeah, it seems when you come to events like this, you, you have hope for the world, you know. Yes, and I think we, go, we should go out from this event and get active in our communities and get out there with groups like Mark and spread the world, word. Let people know what's happening to animals in our society and how many are being tortured and hurt for, you know, things that we don't need, fur, food. We don't need to eat food. We eat animals as food. It's very healthy to be a vegan. It's the most healthy diet that we can eat. The effect on, on eating animals on our environment is, is having a devastating effect. With over 51% of greenhouse gases are caused by animal products. We have to change as a society, not just for compassionate reasons, but for reasons that affect our very life on this planet. Yep. Well, most of our listeners are acquainted with that stuff. Um, what's going on locally? Do you guys have any campaigns that you're working on right now? We're working big time on the Harvard primate campaign. Harvard has over 2,000 primates that they're experimenting on in, the, in their research center. And we're working really hard to try to get the public to understand what's happening to these animals. We're also working to end the carriage horse trade in Boston. And in general, we're working to just get folks to go vegan. Because a person who goes vegan, as your audience probably knows, saves uh, like 100 animals a year. Over their lifetime, that's just a huge number of animals. So we work really hard in all the colleges and universities and schools by leafleting or having rallies or speaking in classrooms to get folks at that young age to go vegan and think about how many animals we can save. Yeah, I think uh, targeting young young people is really important. Um, so you guys get 
get into schools and stuff to give talks? And We do, and in fact, this last year, we taught our very first animal rights class in Newton, Mass., which was wonderful and a great class. But what was, I think, especially amazing about it was that they contacted us. Five years ago, this would not have happened. They contacted us. They specifically wanted animal rights, a perspective from the animal rights viewpoint. And they were very nice and wonderful and provided us, you know, great classroom space. And, and, and I think that's indicative of how this movement, this animal rights movement, is growing and moving into the future and becoming more mainstream. Yeah, it does feel that way. <laughs> um, I think uh, some of the catalyst for that is, the, is, like you were saying earlier, the global climate change and people are really becoming aware of the environmental costs of uh, eating animals. Um, so what, when you're in the classroom, do you have... Uh, did you have to come up with a program for that, or did you have? Did you use a humane education program, or does Mark have their own thing now? Yes, we have our own program, um, and it's geared toward whatever age group. We've taught kids in kindergartens all the way up to uh, graduate school. So um, you really need to target it specifically to the age group. And we have a couple of teachers who teach at different levels of school, and they take, you know, those age groups. Um, I tend to um, focus on the older people. I was a sci I'm a retired scientist, so um, I can answer a lot of scientific questions and about, you know, different statistics and what's happening to animals and why. I also live in the country, so I know a lot about agriculture. And we also have a um, sanctuary called Sunny Meadow, Meadow Sanctuary where we rescue farm animals as well. So that's good for showing young people the effects that agriculture, whether it's factory farming or local farms, a lot of our animals come from small farms in Massachusetts. In terrible, they come in in terrible shape. I mean, worse shape than you could imagine. So, um, we try to use all these methods to teach people. And you know, young people have a natural affinity for animals. They love animals. I mean, you see their faces light up when they see an animal or see a picture of an animal. It's not. It's something that has to be sort of taken away from us. Um, and, you know, as time goes on. But children are very open to animals, and they're very, uh, you know, open to protecting them. And I think that that's driving this movement. Yeah. Do you um, do you have for our listeners that live in uh, Massachusetts, and how would they go about getting uh, your program into one of their schools? Well, the best thing to do is to contact us, and we can, you know, we can set it up for them, let them know. And if they visit us online, which is www.massanimalrights.org, um, that we can set them up with information about that or anything. I mean, we help. We've also helped our student members get their cafeterias to get more vegetarian and vegan options. Because that's a big problem. The, the schools are not keeping up with the, with the young people, you know. The young people come in, 
there was a survey done and 25% of incoming college students, and this was done years ago, like three years ago, so it must be higher now, 25% were requesting vegan meals. That's incredibly huge, and the schools aren't prepared for it. So we do a lot of helping students have the materials and the tools so that their, their, their cafeterias can become vegan-friendly. That's awesome. And you're a, a nonprofit organization, so you can have uh, donations sent through your website? Yes, we have a, a contact and a donation button there on our website. And people are, have, of course, we always need a donation, so that would be wonderful if, if people did send help. And it's also very important to get involved, to become a MARC member, and to just, you know, get involved and help us because we need folks out there. Our mandate is to be in the general public, to bring the truth about animal suffering to the general public. And so in order to do that, we need people, and we need activists who are really, you know, wanting to be out with us. So they can also do that. That really helps. And we have activists who drive all the way from Vermont to come to our events, and that's really awesome. All right, well, thank you very much, and keep up the good work. Yeah, we wish all your listeners a really good day and wish you could be here today. It's just wonderful. I know, there's vegan donuts. <laughs> well, what can you say? With vegan donuts, <laughs> we've got it all. <laughs> I know, that was the last thing we needed. Bye-bye. Bye. Yes, it's true, listeners. This movement does need vegan donuts. And it was so nice to have them there from uh, Vegan Treats. I didn't have a chance to interview Danielle Konya, who is the proprietor of that amazing... Uh, Pennsylvania establishment that keeps New York City and Philadelphia too I imagine in in some of the best uh, vegan baked goods you'll find anywhere um, but I would highly recommend going to New York City and uh, visiting a lot of great vegan restaurants and getting some vegan donuts and other vegan treats while you're there uh, up next, I now that we're on the topic of food, I guess we'll play the uh, Chicago Soy Dairy interview. And like I said, they have ice cream, which I guess they only um, distribute in Chicago, which is a shame for the rest of the world. But uh, their marshmallows and their cheese are available. Um, and both of those products are vegan, of course, and soy-based, I imagine. So, without any other adus, here you go with the Chicago Soy Dairy interview. We're here with the uh, Chicago Soy Dairy. What's your name? Cassandra. Did you come all the way from Chicago? We did, yeah. We all traveled here from Chicago. And uh, teas, vegan cheese, that's that's like the holy grail of veganism. We'd like to think so. We also think our dandies marshmallows are sort of the holy grail as well. I don't think I've tried those yet. You should sample them. It's a, it's a vegan marshmallow? An air-puffed vegan marshmallow. You definitely have an iconic, uh, uh, what, what would we call that, the uh, marshmallow guy there? It's, it's like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man on steroids or something. Yeah, it's a, it's a play on the Gorilla Biscuits logo. We're all uh, hardcore kids at heart here, so we just like to work that into our professional lives here. Sweet. And um, so how's, how's things going? Are you uh, selling this stuff all over the country now? or? We are available nationwide and in online retailers, so we're doing really well. Are you in Whole Foods? Where, who's your distributors? Um, we self-distribute through all of Whole Foods. Uh, most regions carry our products or can order them. Great. 
And so you have teas. Does that come in different flavors? Yep, the teas comes in a mozzarella, a cheddar, and two sauces, a creamy style and a nacho style. And it melts? It melts beautifully. Really? Yep. And uh, what, what, how long have you had these marshmallows out? The marshmallows, it's been, um, I think we launched them in March, March or April, and um, we've been working hard on them ever since, taking over the world. Marshmallows. <laughs> do you have, uh, you also have ice cream, I take it? We do have ice cream right now that's only available in the Midwest. We just sell to Chicago stores. Only in Chicago? Yeah, we got to keep some stuff local for now. Oh, no. We We're going to have to come to Chicago. Available. We have a soft serve mix that you can find in a lot of a lot of restaurants nationwide, though. Oh, really? Vegan soft serve. So if, if we had, if we found, like, if one of our listeners had a soft serve ice cream place near them, they could try to get Chicago soy dairy product in there? Definitely, yeah. It's a dry mix that any anyone with a soft serve machine can use. And how much could I get a soft serve machine for? <laughs> I don't sell those, so I don't know. Well, see, if you guys started selling the machines, you could you could really boost your profits. Perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> Any other uh, soy dairy, Chicago soy dairy products we should know about? Just what we have here today, and um, I think the Dandies marshmallows are the hottest thing out there, so we'd like everyone to try them. And we can make s'mores with those? They melt and everything? They melt and roast just like traditional marshmallows, great in s'mores, Rice Krispie treats, candied yam dishes. They're great for the holidays and camping. All right. Well, thank you very much. I'm going to try one right now. All righty. Thank you. Well, I did try some of those marshmallows, and I have to say, once I had one, I wanted some more, and I ended up buying a whole bag, which I was going to give to someone I love, but that somebody doesn't love me anymore. Ah, romance, love, tragedy. It's all tragedy. Anyway... The next uh, interview I have is uh, uplifting. It's Chloe's Ark, and um, it's a very sweet interview about a new farm animal sanctuary, which is in Upton, Massachusetts, and uh, just getting up off the ground. And I guess they had some kind of bird sanctuary in their backyard or in their house, and then uh, got some land so they could start having some other animals and. Boy, there's a lot of farm animal sanctuaries out there, and uh, in, in these difficult economic times, I hope we can support them all because they're doing really important work. Um, and we are, we're only featuring a couple here, uh, Woodstock Farm Animal Sanctuary, who my good friends Jenny and Doug are the co-founders, and uh, I hope they don't get too jealous that I'm interviewing other sanctuaries and not them, even though they were there. But... Uh, We've devoted whole shows to them, and we will in the future because it's one of my favorite places on the planet. And as other listeners know, I do uh, photography for Farm Sanctuary, the big mothership of farm animal sanctuaries, um, who've been getting slandered by about abolitionists lately. And uh, yeah, it's a complicated movement with lots of various ideas of how we should do things, but... Um, you know, I know a lot of people have gone vegan because of the work that Woodstock and Farm Sanctuary have done. For, and, you know, that's what the goal is, to get people to go vegan. Um, maybe some resources are being wasted on trying to get laws changed. Maybe not. It's up for you to decide, listeners. We like to have all different voices on here. And uh, even though all of our DJs are opinionated in one way or another. 
blah, da, blah, da, blah. Anyway, I just want to play you another interview, and you can decide for yourself what you want to do. All right, we're here with Chloe's Ark Animal Sanctuary in Upton, Massachusetts. What's your name? My name is Claudine. It's Clo Clo for short. <laughs> Clo Clo, and you just started an animal sanctuary this year. Could you tell us about it? Yes, we started our animal uh, farm rescue in uh, in August, and we also have been running a bird uh, sanctuary rescue of uh, cockatiel and rabbits uh, five, from five years on. So, are you ready for visitors yet, or you're just getting things set up? Pretty much, we have worked very hard all summer, fencing the three different fields and building uh, sheds and a beautiful chicken coop. We have a lot of, we have about 30 chickens and uh, we have ducks and guinea fowls. So we have it pretty much ready for visitors. And you have a goat and a calf? Do you have a calf, a baby cow? We have two cows. Uh, we, we rescue them from a dairy farm. Uh, a male calf and a female that was very sickly. She had uh, pneumonia and um, abscesses on her lungs. So they would have gone to uh, slaughter if we didn't rescue them. And what's the uh, goat's name and where did he come from? Uh, the goat, uh, well, we have the goat picture is Biquette, which is a French uh, name for a female goat. Are you French? Yes, I'm French, and my husband is French, too. He's right now taking care of the animals in Upton, but he's coming back to join me here. Did you have to leave France because they didn't have any vegan food? Oh, that, you can say that, but I think they're catching on. But a lot of the French people eat a lot of meat, unfortunately. Yeah, there's something wrong over there. I don't know, oh, I don't know what we're going to do about absolutely. them. We have to change that uh, very, very urgently, yes. <laughs> Um, so, is there anything you'd like to tell our listeners about the farm, how, we, how people can help out, help you get started or donate? Well, you know, when, the, when there's a person who came to bring the two little calves, transported them, and she looked around the farm, and she says, you know, everywhere I look, I see, you, I see your heart. And so, I would say, have heart and open your heart to animals, to the world, to nature, and stop the killing. Oh, that's great. Have you been rehearsing that, or you just is that off the top of your head? You, you, you were my inspiration. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you. Well, thanks a lot. We'll uh, we'll put a link to your sanctuary on our website, and hopefully, you'll get some uh, new donors. Thank you so much. All right, that was Clo Clo from Clo's Ark Animal Sanctuary. She's very sweet. Um, it sounds like they're doing great things, and I hope you'll all consider sending them a little donation for the holidays or for any time because the animals could use it and it will help spread veganism and raise awareness of animal matters in New England and beyond. And so up next we're going to feature the other Animal Sanctuary interview, uh, Maple Farm Animal Sanctuary, which is also in Massachusetts. And as I said earlier in the show, will be featured on the uh, new Peaceable Kingdom documentary, which is at uh, film festivals now and hopefully will be available on DVD or some other way soon. Um, and like I said before, Lavex, why don't you call me? Why don't you email me? What's your problem? Are you too good for vegan radio? Is that what you think? Well, 
what can I do? I do my best. I do what I can. Um, anyway, this uh, Maple Farm Sanctuary interview does not feature the founders, but there is a couple of the women who were working at the booth, and they were pretty knowledgeable. And it's nice to get an outside perspective other than the uh, founders sometimes. And these two were vegan sisters, which is pretty cool. We're here with uh, Maple Farm Sanctuary. How are you guys? Uh, tell me your names. Joanne. Jessica. And you guys are both volunteers at Maple Farm? And where is this located? In Menden, Massachusetts. How far from Boston is that? It's about 50 minutes south. 50 minutes south, okay. And um, I heard that uh, the farm is featured in the new Peaceable Kingdom documentary? Yes, um, Peaceable Kingdom just came out. We, we haven't had the chance to see it yet, but it, they will be in. Are you guys in the movie? No. No? No? Oh, man. So uh, tell us about the farm a little bit. Um, it's a wonderful place. It has 80-plus animals, all different kinds rescued from all walks of life and different conditions. Um, and about 120 acres, a lot of forest. Um, so the CO2, uh, unlike factory farms and things like that, it's a farm that ensures the safety of animals and, uh, and, the and the environment so it's a great place and um, they really need donations and help to keep these animals safe could you tell us about some of your favorite animals on the farm some of your favorite animals on the farm um, one of my favorite animals is a sheep named Tara Anna she came from a really tough situation where she had some abuse and she's, she was very um, shy and afraid, but more and more she's coming out and wants to be pet, and she's the sweetest thing. See, she could be an inspiration for you for being on the radio, how to get over your shyness. How about, do you have a favorite animal? Um, there's just two brand-new baby um, goats on the farm, and they're just so amazing. They just romp around, and they're, they remind me of... They're just like any other pet, and I'm pretty. I'm new to being vegan, so it's so inspirational to be out there. And hey, these animals are just so personable and just fun to be around. So, how long have you been vegan? I've only been vegan for about a year. That's that's not totally new. You're getting the hang of it by now. Yeah, I'm definitely getting the hang of it. It's a good place to be for that. There's tons of food and awesome. How about you? Um, probably about 10 years now. I've been 10 years, wow. Yeah. Did you guys know each other before you worked on the farm? Sisters. Your sisters? Yeah. Oh, are you the big sister? I'm the little sister, two years younger. So you, but you finally influenced your big sister to go vegan? Yes. Awesome. Um, and who, who uh, are the founders of the farm? Um, Sherry and um, Jim Mazzell. Jim Mazzell? Well, anything else our listeners should know? Um, if anyone wants to take a tour, visit our website, uh, maplefarmsanctuary.org, and check out different ways you can help out or visit. Um. Is the tour season over this year, or is there still time to come visit? We schedule tours on um, a basis yeah, of all year. All year. Yeah, and they're, they, schedule, they do nature walks and things, too, all year, so... Cool. Well, thank you very much. And what's the website? MapleFarmSanctuary.org. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. Next up, we have uh, the Autonomy Project, which is a 
company that makes vegan and cruelty-free and uh, fair trade sneakers and shirts and clothing items and probably will be expanding that into other areas, hopefully, because they have a very great uh, fashion sense. And I, I, like I said, I got this really cool T-shirt from them. And, um, yeah, I think you should check them out after you listen to the interview and get yourself looking good in some cruelty-free clothing. And after that, it'll be our final interview with Robert Cheek. So stay tuned. All right, we're here with... What's the name of your company? It's Autonomy Project. Like autonomous? Like, uh, yes, like autonomous, but the French spelling with the I-E. Okay, and what's your name? My name is Gina Williams. And you're a co-owner of this company? Yes, I'm a co-founder with Anna Lachlan. She's my business partner. And uh, so you have a lot of shoes and clothing, and it's all vegan? Yes, everything we make is all vegan. It's also fair trade and um, eco-friendly. And... Uh, is this all manufactured right in Massachusetts? or No, actually it's not. Um, each product is made um, somewhere else. Our sneakers, which are all vegan, we don't use any animal products in our glues or dyes, they're actually made in a fair trade facility in Pakistan. And um, they're fair trade all the way down the line, too. So the um, cotton's fair trade and the um, all-natural rubber is also fair trade. Are there any recycled parts of it, or is it... It's actually not. We don't use recycled. What we do is use um, organics and natural products. So like our rubber that's used um, for the sneaker uh, soles is actually FSC certified, and that's the Forest Stewardship Council. So that means it comes from a certified sustainable forest. And uh, my favorite t-shirt here is this one with all the bikes on it. Can you tell me the concept for that? Yes. Yeah, so it's sort of based on this um, concept about um, if you join together and organize, you can defeat, um, you know, the evil. It's like the it's like the bumper sticker with the big fish and then the, yeah. uh, the bigger fish that's made up of a bunch of small fish. Right. So it's sort of that idea. So if you organize together, um, then you can defeat uh, a common, uh, I don't want to say enemy, but you know, that... that if enough people ride bikes, uh, we can stop, we beat can those cars. Exactly. If enough people ride bikes, then we don't have to have SUVs. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, is that a hum- that's a Hummer on there? Yeah, it's a Hummer. It's a Hummer. <laughs> and um, tell me about your shoes. Do you just have sneakers? Or are you going to break into the work boot department? Or um, right now we just have the sneakers, um, but we also have flip flops. Um, and then we're hoping to expand our line to other um, items in the future, but right now it's just the sneakers. We are going to come out with more colors in the next year. So. Well, they look really great. They have this kind of uh, like the old Converse look to them. And uh, I was just asking about work boots because my work boots are falling <laughs> apart and I'm looking for some new ones. Are you selling in, in any like moose shoes or vegan essentials yeah. or anything? Yes, we actually sell um, to moose shoes, to Pangea, uh, Cosmos Vegan Shop, um, and then some other little more independent ones. Um, I know Sidecar in Seattle was carrying our bags for a while. Um, <clears throat> so we do, we, we have a lot of vegan stores that carry us. Moose shoes is great. That's, they carry, uh, or they're always reordering from us. So. Yeah, it's always great when you can go and actually try on a shoe before you buy it. It's hard buying shoes on the Internet. Right, yeah, because we're um, web-based as well. That's why we love doing these festivals, because we get to meet the customers, and we also people can try on the sneakers and make sure they fit. And what's your website? It's www.autonomyproject.com, and that's autonomy, A-U-T-O-N-O-M-I-E. 
Excellent. Um, and you're based out of Massachusetts. Yes, we're actually based here in Boston out of uh, Jamaica Plain. And do you have a walk-in store anywhere around here that people can go? Or Not yet. We're just um, online-based for the time being. We're hoping someday to have a retail location, but that's in the future. <laughs> yeah, you got to start somewhere. Right. Well, it looks really great. I really, it's very. Uh, it really caught my eye when I walked by. Just the designs and uh, looks like you're doing a great thing. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Okay. Good luck. All right, and here we are with the final interview. We have uh, Robert Cheek, vegan bodybuilder, who is also um, promoter of the Vega product line. He was there uh, promoting Vega, which is all vegan um, sports foods and drinks and energy bars and whatever what have you all the protein powders and uh smoothie infusions and and robert's just a really great guy he's very high energy and very uh knowledgeable about what he's promoting and what he's doing and very passionate about his bodybuilding career and uh really easy interview i also got the opportunity to take some great photographs of him at the gym, at the uh, the the festival is actually held in a um, athletic center of a college. So there is a weight room in there. So he got all pumped up, and then we went outside and took some pictures outside the building and the nice fall scenery. And a really cool one I like of him up against a brick wall with flexing and his shadow next to him, making him look even larger than he already is. Uh, yeah, and this is a really great interview, and I appreciate Robert uh, taking the time out to do this. He's just very accessible, very great guy, and a boon to the vegan movement. I think, uh, you know, vegan athletes really do a lot for our movement because, you know, there has been such a stereotype of vegans as pasty, wimpy people, um, and we know that's not true. We know some of the great athletes of the world are actually running on vegan nutrition and uh including me you know i'm a great athlete of some sort anyway uh here's robert cheek and after this we'll back with the end of the show wrap up thanks for listening thanks for being out there curious about veganism or vegan here with robert cheek how you doing excellent how you doing derek very good it's been a good year Good, excellent. You're looking a, a little buffer than last year. Really? I don't know. I was just saying that. Are you, are you still testing or are we rolling? <laughs> no, we're rolling. Oh, sweet. Okay, good. So I, I don't know why I'm flexing. When the, like, yeah, I don't know. Our listeners out. can't see you flexing. But yeah. We're pretty buff. You've been, uh, you've been up in the ante a little this year? Or? Yeah, absolutely. I train. I mean, I competed five times this year. So it was. I actually didn't miss a workout for six months. It was the most consistent I've been in my entire life. I filmed a documentary around it, Vegan Brothers in Iron, with Giacomo Marchese and Jimmy Sitko along with me, filmed by Brian Van Pesky, and we just rocked it. I mean, I trained every day, every day. I got my biggest, strongest, like, decline benching over 320 pounds, uh, you know, while only, only weighing 180, keeping a low body weight for middleweight division. But, yeah, I just hammered it this year. I had a good year. So did you win any competitions or get any awards or anything? Absolutely. Thank you for asking. Uh, good setup question. I did. I got first place in the Northwest Northwestern USA Natural Bodybuilding Championships. I placed first there in 2005. So this was my, actually my return to bodybuilding. I took two years off, 07 to 09. I just took off from competing and came back in 09 and won that. 
and placed second in another competition, third in an NPC Bill Pearl Classic uh, competition, fifth in another one, a pro qualifier, and then seventh in my last one of the year. So I, I didn't end on the best note, but it was the toughest competition I've ever done. So seventh is okay by me based on, I mean, I think I was in my best shape out of all of them, but that's just how I finished. It was, it was a pretty tough one. Yeah, and does a lot of that have to do on how you pose and things? It's more than just like they don't just measure your arms or something. They they actually have to have other skills besides your biceps. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, biceps aren't even one of my strengths. Uh, it's a you know subjective sport based on visual uh, appearance and the judge's decision. They judge on balance, you know, muscle balance, symmetry, size, and conditioning, which basically is another word for body fat percentage, how lean you are, how, how many visible veins you've got sticking out, um, whether you can see your abs and separation in your leg muscles and all this deep, detailed definition. That's what they judge on. So it's not always the biggest guy. And in fact, I'm usually not one of the bigger guys because I'm a little bit taller. A lot of bodybuilders, 5'7", 5'8", 5'9", and I'm about six foot even, so I've got to come in pretty shredded with a lot of veins and a lot of muscle definition in order to compete and do well, and that's what I've had to rely on. So that's how they judge it. It's all just a visual, um, subjective sport, and you just do the best you can, and, and you, you place where you place, and go back and do it all over again the next time. Well, if I knew if I knew that 5'8 was like the average bodybuilder size, I would have started lifting weights a long time ago. I didn't know. I've wasted my life. <laughs> you'd be uh, you'd be down in the trunks right now, huh? I know. I'd be I'd be the Robert Cheek, and you'd be like one of my salespeople out there on the Vegas sales floor there. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, you'd be uh, I'd be Robin to your Batman or whatever the the <laughs> I, I don't know a lot of comic books, but I think that's the how it would go. Something yeah, like that. yeah, you got it. So uh, how's um, you get, you're still doing the Vegas stuff? How's that going? Any new products in the pipelines or? Yeah, absolutely. I've been working with Vega for about five years now. Super pumped. We've got a whole bunch of new products. Vega Sport, we've been sampling here at the show. We just kind of ducked off to the side because it's like super crazy at the booth right now. Boston Veg Fest, by the way, that's where we're at. Um, And yeah, we have the Vega Sport now. We have the Maca chocolate bars. We have the new Vega Vibrancy bars, uh, which are like a snack bar. We have new stuff coming out next year. A lot of exciting stuff to look forward to. A whole, whole new product line. Uh, we just bought a hemp company in Canada, so we own, you know, the from the, the land to the processing, harvesting to packaging, we have the whole streamline from farm to shelf. And so it's pr- that's pretty awesome. And so we have that. Uh, Brendan's out on tour. You know, Brendan Brazier, Formulated Vega. He's out on tour with his, his new book, uh, his Thrive Fitness. I think it launches in, launches in the U.S. in January, but it's been out for almost a year in Canada. Yeah, we interviewed him, uh, I think, after we saw you last year. We, we got an interview with him. Nice. Good guy. He's, uh, I mean, he's the guy that got me in with Vega. I mean, I filmed my first documentary in 2005. I contacted Brendan in 2004, and he was just one of three people, me, Brendan, Tanya Kay, and we've all been friends. We see each other once a year or twice a year in Los Angeles. We all get together, hang out, and... Yeah, and after I filmed that, I got offered a job with Sequel Naturals, which owns Vega, and I turned it down at first because I didn't want to do sales stuff and, and realized the most important thing I probably ever realized was that I'm not in the business of sales, not in the business of wellness or nutrition, but I'm in the business of building, nurturing, and nourishing relationships with people. And that's what I've always been good at is just relationships with people. And so, yeah, I became like top salesperson in the country without even knowing 
I don't even know all the products inside and out. I don't even know how to do sales pitches or whatever. I just know how to talk to people and answer their questions and lead by example. And I use the products and I do well because I work hard and people see that. And, uh, and, and if that makes me successful that way, fine. But it's just my personality. <laughs> you know, it's just part of, as Gary Vaynerchuk would say, it's part of my DNA. It's just part of my DNA to interact and care about people. And, and that's what makes me good at what I do, I guess. So uh, on a typical training day, which, which Vega products are you using? Good question. Typical training day before workout, what I'm using all the time now is Vega Sport. It's a pre-workout energy drink with yerba mate, ginseng, green tea, kombucha, rhodiola, devil's claw, ginger root, all these different things that are that just pump you up naturally. I mean, I even use it on long road trips to keep me awake, and it's just like a... Uh, how someone described it today as like an all-natural monster or all-natural Red Bull, but it, like super natural, like really good, potent ingredients from exotic places in the world that really work. So, so is this a powder? Is it already in a can? Or Yeah, it's a powder. You just add to water. So it's a pre-workout thing, and I drink that during my workout too. Extra calories, extra energy, extra fuel during the workout. And then after the workout, that's when I do like the, the regular Vega, our original formula of the Vega Whole Food Health Optimizer. Protein, essential fats, fiber, greens, chlorophyll, carbohydrates, all those things that you need afterwards because, I mean, I eat a lot of food too. But as far as uh, you know, the questions about Vega, that's, that's what, I'm, what I'm doing. And when I'm getting ready for competition, I'm using a lot of Vega oil, a lot of essential fats, omega-3, 6, 9, 5, um, uh, EFA oils to help you know, burn fat actually. Taking in these essential fats can help you burn fat and that gets me in better condition and so i feel pretty good about that does vega have anything with the dha in it yet you know um no not specifically i guess you know uh we had just a combination for our efa oil a combination of high quality omega-3s omega-6 omega-9s omega-5s from things like pumpkin pomegranate hemp um flax green tea a bunch of different antioxidant oils in there too and um you know, it's a good balance of omega-3, 6, and then we have 9 and 5 in there too, which, which aren't essential but are still good and, and play some good roles in the body. So, um, so yeah, it's all organic and cold-pressed, um, but nothing, I guess, specifically with uh, DHA, you know. I have a funny story from the uh, <clears throat> Vega product you gave me last year, the, the powdered Vega smoothie infusion, I think it was. Um, I, I was using the bag, like, for a while, and then I got to the end, and I was making a smoothie, and dumped the uh, rest of the bag into the smoothie I started drinking the smoothie <clears throat> and there was pieces of paper in it and I was like pulled one out of my mouth and I was like what's this and it said uh, it was the uh, what do they call the the desiccant that uh, is in the bag I blended up into my smoothie so I started freaking out and um, called the uh, poison hotline to see if I was going to die <laughs> and it turned out she said it's uh, it's it's kind of like eating sand. It's not bad. They're not get, not wasn't going to kill me, but it was a. I was like cursing your name at that point, Robert Cheek. Yeah, he's trying to kill me. That's uh, that's a funny story. Robert Cheek's not trying to kill anybody. Um, no, that, that's yeah. We have the little like. Have you ever story. had that happen to anyone before? Well, no, except for me. <laughs> I've like, it happened to you? Well, I've actually poured it in. I've been able to fish it out with a fork or something. And I actually did the same thing. I freaked out and like, quickly pulled it out. And then I looked at it, even though I work for the combat, I never looked carefully. And, it, yeah, it says, like, you know, non-toxic or it just says don't eat. But it also says something like non-toxic, not harmful, just don't, like, just don't eat it. Kind of yeah, thing. well, that's that's the thing because I didn't see it go in, so I would already blended it. 
And then when I was pulling it out of my mouth, I got parts that said, do not eat. And, uh, <laughs> okay, so you're, you're freaking out and cursing my name is totally warranted and totally appropriate based on the circumstances and situation. No problem there. Well, it was really my own fault. I wasn't cursing you too bad. But <laughs> right, I mean, <laughs> it was funny. You, you should curse your own name. You're right. It's your own fault. <laughs> <laughs> Just a warning to listeners out there. Um, so you also said you have a book coming out. Tell me about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm pumped, literally pumped about the book. It's something I kept really quiet. I mean, I've been actually uh, a legit on something because I just made it public a few weeks ago. I actually wrote three 300-page books in the last 18 months. Didn't tell anybody about it. I worked extremely hard. I wrote when I was getting my oil changed for my car. I wrote when I was at airports, on airplanes, uh, till 3 in the morning, till 4 in the morning. Um, early in the morning, I would take complete days off from other jobs and just work for 12 hours on my book. I, I had specific goals for myself for each specific book and deadlines. I got an agent, the same agent that Gene Bauer has, uh, for his best-selling book, Farm Sanctuary. In fact, actually, that's how I got the agent. I contacted Gene. Long story short, and I've never really talked about it, I wrote a 300-page book. I was pumped about it, submitted it to an agent. He said, Robert, I think this is going to be a bestseller, but it's not your first book. And unfortunately, I, I, you know, I can't work with you because I don't think that we're ready for this book. It was, pretty, it was a personal development book, motivational book. And I said, fine. <laughs> I went back to the drawing board, and five months later, I contacted him again, and I said, here's another 300-page book. He's like, you kidding? Like, what? He's like, you wrote that in five months while being in a different city every week on tour for Vega and running my own business and doing all this other stuff, my own speaking tour. I said, yeah. I, I said I wrote, like, the first 200 pages in a month, you know, because I was so fired up. There's another personal development book called Your Personal Best. And he said, boom, this is it. He, he wanted something that was more organically written about me, how I came to these success principles that I talk about in the first book. And I got Rory Friedman, uh, author of Skinny Bitch. You know, she sold 2 million copies now to write the foreword for my book. And we're pitching that out right now. And while that's circulating, I wrote another 300-page book, which is the first to come out, actually. It, it's, uh, it's Vegan Bodybuilding and Fitness, The Complete Guide to Building Your Body on a Plant-Based Diet. And I've never really said this either before, but because it's something I never said I would do. I never said I would do this, but I'm doing it. And that's uh, self-publishing this book. I already wrote two books and an agent. It's in his hands, Tracy, and he's, he's, I'm sure something great is going to happen with it. But in the meantime, just my personality of being impatient and always needing to be busy every minute of the day, I just wrote another 300-page book and I said, I'm going to publish this myself. And because of the networks that I have on Facebook, Twitter, my own website, opportunities like this on the radio and to, to reach out to people my own tour, I know it will be successful and it's, there's a lot of important stuff in there. Not just about eating the best foods and doing the best exercises, but why, why it matters to care about animals, about yourself, how to believe in yourself to do something. I talked about when I was a 120-pound kid saying I was going to be in muscle magazines and all this stuff and just getting laughed at, you know, on top of that, you know, being, being vegan too. And, and then, you know, later being in millions of magazines and being on the cover and being a 195-pound multiple bodybuilding champion. So it's a lot about, again, I tie a lot of personal development stuff into it because that's important. If you, if you don't know why you're doing something, you're not going to be able to work 20 hours a day to do it. And, and that goes for activism and outreach too. I talk about how you can be the best activist you've ever been by really identifying what matters most in your life and using the most effective methods to get that message out there. So it's, it's not just about lifting weights and eating. It's disguised under that name to be a, a book about life and about how to just go out there and enjoy every minute of the day. And one of my slogans is, why, why live for two out of seven days? Why live for the weekend? You know, How can you do 
what you do on the weekend every day of the week. How can you make that your life? How can you turn your passion into your whole life? You, you live for seven days a week. You don't just enjoy like part of Friday, all of Saturday, and part of Sunday. Then you're like, oh, crap, it's Monday again. <laughs> now I have to go back to five consecutive days of hating what I do. That's not what life's supposed to be about. You can't be great activists that way. You can't be a great leader that way. And so that's I write a lot about it, that kind of stuff. And, of course, many chapters about eating, meal programs, training, and, and how – even how to get sponsored, how to get sponsored by companies like Vega or Bodybuilding.com, a $200 million company I just started working for with. Well, I'll buy that chapter off you. <laughs> no, it's it really, I mean, even how to submit proposals, how to, I mean, really, it's it's extremely valuable, I think. It's only going to be like 15 or $17 for the book, and it's going to, um, and a lot of it is, all the money, or most of it, is going right back into the movement. In fact, my whole book tour, which I'm basically following the enthusiasm, whichever cities want to bring me. You know, Mercy for Animals, Compassion Over Killing, a number of other organizations are, are bringing me to their cities to do stuff. And I'm donating percentage of book sales right back to the organization. You know, I mean, that's that's why I'm working so hard, so I can continue to support this movement. And this is one more tool to do that. So when's your tour start? January. Tour starts in January. Book drops around December 15th. Veganbodybuildingbook.com is where you can read about it, read the introduction, table of contents. I'll have a sample chapter up there soon. Um so, yeah, it's, it's going to be great, and I'm looking, especially anyone listening who's in a sunny place, I'm looking to go to California, Georgia, Florida, Arizona, Nevada, Hawaii during the winter months, uh, January, February, you know, and, and March, you're pretty much open anywhere. But so far, I've got to say, I, you know, I've got to give credit where credit's due, Austin, Texas, the state of Ohio, Los Angeles, those have been the most supportive places so far. And that's probably where I'll end up first. Well, you're doing pretty good here in Boston, I think. Yeah, no, I definitely want to come back. I mean, I've set some things up in the past with Harvard, Tufts. I spoke at Northeastern the day that Obama was elected president last year. I mean, people still came out for my talk, even though it was a big election night. Um, I'm happy to come back to Boston. My best friend from childhood is here. Uh, I'm staying with him right now. I, some of my best friends are in Boston. <laughs> some of my best friends are in Boston. <laughs> I want to come back to Boston, and I want to rock this place. Support the movement and move a lot of books because it's gonna it's gonna pump people up. I guarantee it. Well, if we can figure out how to get as much energy as you've got, I think that'd be a good thing for the movement. <laughs> uh, anything else you want to talk about before uh, we sign off? Uh, you know, I just want to thank everyone for doing what they're doing. I want people to really find out what they're passionate about and to ask the questions. Um, I mean, the important question a lot of people have said. I'm not taking credit for this statement. Steve Jobs has said it from Apple. Gary Vaynerchuk has said it. But I really believe in it, too, and have lived this for, for many years before I even heard it uttered. And that is look yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, what do I want to do every day for the rest of my life? And whatever that is, do it. We're in a time now where you can do anything you want because of – because of the internet, because of Facebook, Twitter, your own websites, blogs, anybody can make a living doing anything they want if they work hard enough. I guarantee that. That's, that's, that's what I did. I, I just hustled my whole life to film documentaries, to write books. Even when sleep wasn't even an option, there was, it wasn't possible to sleep. But I believed in what I was doing so much as did any, anyway. And Any good Vega products to uh, avoid sleep? Yeah, Vega Sport. That's uh, that will keep you going. Especially, don't use it too late uh, at night for a workout. It'll keep you up to like three in the morning. But on the flip side, you'll be extremely productive all night long. Just do whatever you care about most, and uh, and you'll you'll get further along that path. There's no cocaine in it. 
No, no cocaine, just a lot of good stuff. Like like I said, ginseng, yerba mate, green tea. But the bottom line is you got to love what you're doing. Live for seven days a week. Find out what makes you smile the most. Find out what makes you pumped up the most and turn that into a career and just love it. You know, just go after it. And that will make you the best ambassador, the best activist, the best I think, person in any kind of movement you're in. It'll just make you more effective. All right, you heard it first on Vegan Radio. Robert Cheek, amazing <laughs> bodybuilder. Thank you for having me. Uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Uh, always nice to see you. So uh, enjoy the rest of the show out here in Boston. All right, let's go get some of that sport drink. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, kids, this is it, the end of the show. Uh, the music you hear in the background is the new vegan radio theme made by our favorite band, Beloved Binge. We'll be back in a couple weeks with another show. <laughs> well, actually, I have a bunch of shows that I have to edit and put up, and I'm sorry for the delay. But I got a lot going on, a lot going on in my life. I can't even begin to tell you. I'd have to do a whole nother show just to tell you about it. Suffice it to say that there's a lot of changes coming to Vegan Radio in the very near future. Like I said, a new website, uh, possibly doing some new approaches to how we produce the show. And uh, I might possibly, hopefully, be living in a different place for a little while. But I'm not going to divulge all my secrets because I want you to come back and find out. It's like that, you know, that ending of those uh, TV shows where you have to tune in next week. Veganradio.com is where you can find us. Or go to iTunes or other podcast sources to download, subscribe, and get all your tofu jones and taken care of thanks so much you're the best stay vegan go vegan be vegan 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 vegan, vegan.